Turn with me, if you will, in your copy of God's Word to Ecclesiastes and chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Finding meaning. Finding meaning. And I entitled today's message, It Ain't There. It Ain't There. And to you English teachers, I'm sorry that that is terrible grammar, but that's what I chose. If you are physically able, I invite you to stand with me as we read God's Word from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Solomon, as he refers to himself as the preacher, says, I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity or emptiness. I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them all kinds in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, empty, and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word today. You may be seated. Many are running on empty. So many in our land, even in our fair city of Berea, are wallowing, if you will, in hopelessness. No drive, no purpose. Speaking the same things that even Solomon did, all is empty, vanity, striving for something to give them peace. But I want you to hear the difference. The average person is hoping for happiness. And what I mean by that is most people are waiting for the rays to come. And when the rays comes, then they believe happiness will accompany it. 
the new position. When the new position opens up and if I get that job, then I will see some happiness. When I get through school and, and get to my career, then I will see happiness. When I get the right girlfriend or the right boyfriend, the better spouse, the bigger house. You see, most people are waiting for something to happen. They're hoping for happiness, and they believe once that thing happens, then they can experience some lasting happiness. But you know, that was not the case with Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes. He was the third king of Israel. And the reason I say that was not the case with Solomon, that he wasn't hoping for the next thing to happen, so then he could build on that and had happiness, was that he had it all already. He had all of those things. He had all the resources to test happiness from pleasures. He had it, he tested it, and metaphorically he stands at the top of Pleasure Mountain with all power and all wisdom and this wisdom literature of God's Word that we read today and Solomon still screams to us from these pages through the Holy Spirit, it ain't there. I've had it all. I've tested it to the max. And lasting pleasure and purpose is not there. Lasting joy eluded him. And you hear through the Scriptures today how cynical and angry he is with life. That he can't seem to find lasting joy in the things of this world. You know, it's amazing how we don't believe the warnings of the person. How many times have you seen somebody touch something, say a stove, that's hot. And the next person, it's just like they don't believe it. And they got to touch it too. Or what about somebody that takes a bite of something? That is disgusting. Oh, well, let me try it. Why? Why do we do that? Somehow we think, well, that was hot to him. But maybe it won't be to me. You know, we hear the words of Solomon. We hear the words of Solomon saying, happiness isn't found in the things of this world. And yet we still think in our modern time that we can crack the happiness meter apart from God with the pleasures of this world. Today, may we look and may we listen, may we have the Holy Spirit teach us the problem was seeking pleasure from things to find lasting happiness. Let's pray. Father, again I come to You recognizing what a simple man I am, how feeble I am, how ignorant I am in so many ways. And yet I stand here before a people that You have selected to hear this message. And so, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide each thought in my mind and each word that proceeds from my mouth. And Lord, that You will instruct not only me, but Your people here today. And that Your Holy Spirit will work and draw us closer, first to the cross and then closer to heaven. 
to see your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we think about pleasures, and many of you that are involved in the Sunday school and Bible study classes, you've already had this lesson today, and I'm following along. And when you think about pleasures, the first thing that I will say might surprise you, and that is don't run away from God-given pleasures in your life. I'm not talking about what God declares as evil or things that pull us away from the church and from Christ. But God desires to bless you, and He does bless us with many pleasures. And many people, we are all guilty at times of turning those pleasures aside. God deposits into our account many wonderful blessings and pleasures for times and seasons. Now, I want to say Solomon or God is teaching us to be some self-righteous hater of pleasures that God has blessed us with, that He chose to bless us with. We're not to come away rejecting blessing and hating the many graces found during our time here on earth. You see, that can be just as evil in our life. And that's part of the problem. So many times we're chasing the next blessing, we miss what's right in front of us that God's put before us to feast upon. That can be just as evil. And you can imagine if you worked, if you had a field and then you tilled the field and then you sowed the seed, but then you put this huge covering over the field that no rain can come upon it and the sunshine cannot come upon it as needed to help it grow, and then we complain that our crops are not getting water what they need. Such as rejecting the many blessings and pleasures that God has bestowed upon us. You see, the problem is not enjoying God-given pleasures. And so many... Uh, Christians many times are walking around with a sourpuss face, rejecting the pleasures of God and thinking they're some kind, somehow holier than everyone else. The problem is not in enjoying God-given pleasures. The problem is when we take those graces brought into our life and we try to find happiness in the blessing apart from the one who blesses, which is God. That's where the evil begins, and that's what Solomon did. I want to ask you this. We read this of Solomon, but who gave Solomon the riches? God did. You remember in God's Word that that Solomon had now been elevated to be the king of Israel, the shepherd of God's chosen people. God told Solomon to ask for what he needed to shepherd God's people. Solomon did what? He asked for what? He asked for wisdom. And God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm also going to bless you with great wealth and power. God gave Solomon all of these many rich blessings in life to even test finding pleasure and happiness himself. So what was wrong with Solomon's testing of happiness, you might ask? Well, preacher, if God gave it to him, what was wrong with what he did? Look at verse 1 again. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure 
enjoy yourself. Now, in the very, uh, or verse 2 of chapter 1, Solomon starts off by saying, Vanity of vanities. Emptiness of emptiness, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. All's empty. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. So he starts off his writing speaking about the meaningless of life, the emptiness of life. So we come to chapter 2 and we begin reading about. Uh, he says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. It's as if Solomon is saying this. You know, since life is empty, and since life is full of anxiety, and since life is full of disappointments, I'm going to make a pleasurable and tranquil life for myself. And that's what billions do today. They understand the emptiness of life. They understand pain and disappointments. And so we decide in our heart, you know, since it's all empty, since it's all vanity, since there's so many disappointments, I'm just going to live it up and enjoy myself. Like the old Frank Sinatra song, I'll do it my way. Since I'm going to be disappointed anyway with everything in life, I'm just going to, be, I'm just going to build for myself things that make me happy. And we say these things even though we don't think it. We're really teaching our young people this when we say, just follow your heart. We want you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. Can I tell you something today? God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. And in holiness, you'll find happiness. And there's a big difference. When you tell young people, we just want you to be happy, you're telling them to do things that will bring pleasure in their life apart from God. And that's what Solomon's saying. Since life stinks, in many ways, since I'm disappointed from all my work, even with all my wisdom and pleasures and treasures, I'm just going to make life good for me. And he had all the resources to test it. And he said that's what he would do, and it's what he did. Here's the problem. You cannot, listen to me, you cannot exceed the boundaries of God's graces of pleasure with your own planning and labor and find lasting happiness. You cannot do it apart from God. It's when we try with our planning attempt to create happiness apart from the will of God when problems arise and they weigh on us. And you remember, even in uh, the little letter of James, I love James. It's so practical. I read it a lot because I need it. I need to be reminded of those practical Christian living. But in James, he speaks of, quit saying what you plan to do tomorrow and next year, that you're going to go to this city and do this business. I'm paraphrasing. But say if God wills, I'll do these things. Trying to plan a part from the goodness and watch care of God, always brings unhappiness, and especially to the Christian. Notice, one thing I was stunned with when I was reading through this, and I've read this many times, but it just really jumped off the pages this time, were the eyes in chapter 2. Let me just refer to them. I said in my heart, I will test you. I said of laughter, I searched with my heart, 
I made great works. I built houses. I made myself gardens and parks. I made myself pools. I bought male and female servants. I had also great possessions. I also gathered for myself silver and gold. I got singers. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, and there are even a few others. You notice the eyes? Solomon is speaking to his own heart to plan pleasure and tranquility instead of speaking to God about his plans and the pleasures that God has for him to experience. This was the great evil, my friend. This was the problem in Solomon's life, and it's still the problem in ours. When our eyes, if you will, far outweigh our prayers to God, there's going to be a problem in your life. And my life as well. Even in the life of a church. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, Do not despise things, but rather despise the strivings, plans, affections, and concerns by which you seek to obtain everything for yourself by your own labor. If God's given you food, eat it. I love this. If God's given you food, eat it. If fasting, bear it. If honor, accept it. If condemnation, suffer it. If He casts you in the prison, put up with it. If He wants you to be king, obey Him when He calls. If He casts you down, do not worry. End of quote. Philippians 4.13, and we know that Scripture very well. I've seen that Scripture tattooed on quite a few young people, and I don't know if they really know what that Scripture means. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But when you put that in context of that Scripture, it doesn't mean, I told Trey the other day, you know, I can say that verse a hundred times in a row, and I'm still not, if I want to dunk a basketball, I'm still not going to dunk a basketball. I can stay, I can do all things through Christ. I'm still going to fall flat and you're all going to be visiting me in the hospital. The context of that Scripture has to do, if you look in chapter 4 of Philippians, Paul is referring to there are times he's had a lot and there's times he's had little. And he's learned through the help of God to be content whether he had a lot or whether he had a little. And then he says, I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. I can be content where I am in life with the help of God. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Whether God blesses me to high position or whether I'm in prison. I have God. That's my greatest treasure. And He blesses me. That's my greatest pleasure. And I know Him. And therefore, I can live in any situation through Christ who gives me strength. You know, pleasures come and go. Pleasures come and go. I've had many wonderful pleasures in life, some in which I'll never see again. I'll never run a softball base again, and I don't want to. And, and you know, I, I don't have a mother right now to aggravate, and I had so much pleasure in aggravating mom. One day I will again, but not now. Pleasures come and go, and I have pleasures today that could be gone tomorrow. You know, we saw in the aftermath of the tragedy 
of the disaster of the tornadoes down south and in Alabama, and I was watching the news, and one man was interviewed, and I'm quoting him again, and I know it's bad grammar, but I'm quoting him. But he said, one day you got everything, the next day you got nothing. What a profound truth. One day we have everything. The next day we have nothing. Solomon wanted to make everything succeed by his wisdom and his planning. He kept no pleasure from himself. And I want you to notice what he did. He touched all of his being. He touched his sight. He planted beautiful gardens and pools. He touched his sound with the best music that had ever been written to that time and sung by the greatest singers. He touched his taste, his emotions. And he did find pleasure for a season. And I want to tell you, you will find pleasure for a season, but it doesn't last. And that's the problem with planning for pleasures from this world apart from God. And not only that, the joy did not last, but it only brought further despair and disappointment. And you see that in his writings. He became very hard, very bitter, anger, angry and cynical about life. Don't you see many people cynical and angry and bitter today? Because plans that they had thought did not go their way? And even we all are tempted to do that. I've done it to certain degrees. When I thought I would have had this at this point, or I planned to do that, and it all fell apart. And for a season, I too would become discouraged, disappointed, angry, and bitter towards life. He touched every part of his being except... His soul. Except his relationship with God. And it made him angry and bitter. We cannot find lasting joy in things and our planning to use things as our source of joy. But true and lasting joy, beloved, only comes with being in a right relationship with God, your Creator, through faith in His only Son, Jesus Christ, that He sent into the world to save you. That's where lasting, eternal pleasure and joy comes from. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and put on our flesh, walked among us, bore our sins at the cross of Calvary, died, was laid in a tomb, resurrected on the third day, ascended into heaven and is the promise of His return. That's where we find our lasting pleasures in this life. This is our greatest treasure. This is our greatest pleasure in life. And when it's not, beloved, when that's not, we will miss the blessings that God's put right in front of us. And we'll grow bitter, and we'll grow angry, and we'll grow cynical towards life unable to even enjoy the graces that He sends our way to bless us. How true that is, especially of our generation. 
that there are graces right in front of us that God sends. And we look over them, ignoring them, still planning to do things our way to find happiness. And it doesn't happen. The Proverbs say this, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end leads to death. Right now, there are some of you, and I have done it too, that you're planning things that seem right to you. But beloved, apart from God, I want to tell you, it leads to death in your life. It can lead to death eternally, where you would be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And you might say, you know, I've got this figured out. Do you see where you started that sentence? I. Instead of looking into the answer, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ. And whoever will believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end leads to life. You know, I've got this plan, and by 25, I'm going to have this, and by the time I'm 30, I'm going to have this, and by the time I'm 50 and 65, I'm going to do this, and we're going to go do this uh, next week, and we're going to go do this business next year. And there again, it's filled with our plans apart from the wisdom and knowledge and blessing of God. And then when the plans don't come through, when we're not the millionaire by age 30, and when we even have less by the time we're 40 and 50, we can become so cynical and bitter and hard towards life. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end leads to death. I had to ask myself this question this week in preparing this. Why would God allow Solomon to try this silly experiment? Simply, I think so that, I believe so that he would learn that pleasures don't bring lasting meaning, but also that we would learn with him and from him. From a guy who had it all. And I believe personally. Other than Jesus Christ, there was nobody wiser that ever walked the face of this earth than Solomon because it was supernaturally given to him by God. And personally, I know this can't be proven. This is not the gospel, what I'm about to say. Personally, I believe in his economy, in his time, Solomon is the wealthiest person that's ever lived upon this earth. He had it all. And he tested it. The stove's hot. He's climbed to the mount, Mount Pleasure. And he looked over it. And all his work, all of his labor. And he says, it ain't there. Hear my voice. It ain't there. Christian, I want to ask you, some questions today. Are there too many eyes in your life? 
I know I'm guilty of having some eyes, aren't you? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I've planned this, and I'm working for that. Are you planning and striving every day to find lasting happiness with things? Because even Christians do that. If I have this, when we get this, then things will be different. We'll be happier. And then when we get that, we find that we're still not satisfied. So as the one man says, when that barn's full, I'm going to build more barns, right? Bigger fields to fill the barns. And here's one I've had to ask this in my life, and I think it fits appropriately with this message today. Because there's some blessings I don't like to let go of. Any of y'all like that? I know they're from God. But sometimes I'm guilty of fearing the loss of the blessing more than the grace of the blesser. Are you hearing me? Fear of losing the blessing more than having a right relationship with the blesser. And again, God doesn't want you to be miserable all the time. Quite the opposite. Christians should be full of joy and hope and purpose. If there's too many eyes in your life today, if you've made a lot of plans and you've become a little bitter and hard and cynical towards life, uh, if you're working more for a blessing than the blessed to serve the blesser, I just want to encourage you today. Would you trust the God that created you? The Jesus that saved you? The Holy Spirit that dwells within you? And if you need to repent and ask forgiveness and humble yourself today, would you do that? Young person, would you hear today this wisdom? from the king that tried it all and said it ain't there, would you please heed this voice that you would not repeat the same mistakes? Trust God with your life wherever you're at. Surrender your life to Him today. And let me also say this, these dangers, I want to speak to the church collectively, these dangers infiltrate the church as well. If we had this then we'd be better off. One of the most embarrassing situations as a pastor, I was preaching a revival. And and by the way, I don't think she meant, she doesn't know good preaching because she said this, but this lady came up to me after the service and said, if we had you, our church would be full. And her pastor was six feet from me. It embarrassed me so bad. They had a good pastor. There's a lot of church members that think if this was straightened out, then, then, if this, if this. And we too think that if we can fix things in our own plans and our own wisdom, then everything will be right. And we miss the joy of what's right in front of us that God's blessed us with. Even older people. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, you give it to those younger people about life, but let's be honest. It can happen even in our older people. When I get to this stage of life, then this is going to happen because we've prepared for this for years. Would you be careful about that? 
When I get to this stage or this age, we, we've got a plan we've put together. And I'm not saying it's bad to plan, but I'm saying don't plan apart from the will of God. And don't think this stage in your life is going to make everything happen. It's going to make you happy and get you lasting joy. Whether you're uh, 6 or 65, the only lasting joy you'll find is serving Jesus Christ, my friend, not your own pleasures. And so be careful about that. Of making your plans apart from the will of God. To think, boy, we're going to enjoy ourselves and live it up. We deserve it. Be careful about the words you speak. Because even that mirrors what Solomon said. I deserve it. I've got it. I've put this together. I'm going to enjoy myself. Be careful. Let me speak one more to the last person as we begin to close today. I've been a little long-winded today, and I'm getting hungry, so let's shut things down. I want to speak to somebody today that you think you are planning in your own work and wisdom your entrance into heaven. That's the most common thought today. If I'm a good person and do good things... Go to church sometimes the best I can. I'm plan- That's you planning and striving your entrance into heaven. And I just want to tell you today, you cannot plan your way only God's way. And He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, as the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to heaven is not through you being a good old boy or a good old gal and doing the best you can. That's totally unbiblical and it's heretical. It's a false gospel. The only way you're going to see heaven that the Bible teaches us is through God's way and that is through His only Son, Jesus Christ. And you must surrender your life to Him. Put your faith and trust in what He did at the cross, not in what you do by walking upon this earth. Today, would you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? The greatest treasure and pleasure that one can have is being in a right relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything else on Pleasure Mountain ain't there. God, as we prepare our hearts for a moment of invitation, would you move mightily as the words have been spoken and the Scripture have been read, would You use it, Lord? Use it to draw sinners into salvation? Christians that need to repent? All of us, Lord, that we might turn our gaze upon You and trust You? Today, Lord, will You wipe away some of our eyes that we have in life and replace them with You? Have your way, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.